referee played a good advantage there for Sunderland. Hamilton with options either side and Broadhead's through! And gives Sunderland genuine hope! Hamilton whips it in, swinging Goal. in, it's in! Ross it's Stuart! He's nodded it down into the corner! Run by Pritchard who pulls it across, chance to make it to... Welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland went top of the league temporarily with a massive 5-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday last week. But with our game against Fleetwood called off, we do enter this weekend's game in second place. However, a win this weekend for the lads could prove to be absolutely monumental as we had the fourth play for Wigan Wanderers for a 12.30 kickoff in a game that could prove massive, truth be told, for either side if they were to win. And to update us on Wickham season since we last faced each other is a returning guest, but a debut on the preview podcast, Johnny King from Wickham Fancy in the Wanderer. Johnny, how are you getting on? You all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, Graham. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Good New Year. Quiet, quieter than usual, but I think we're talking a bit off air. Yours is relatively quiet as well. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be that way, hasn't it, at the moment? At least we've both played games of football, I suppose, which is more than some fans can say, isn't it? Yeah, pretty lucky. Yeah, to get, to get a game on at all and went pretty well for both of us. So, yeah, not bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. I think we will start straight from the top in that case. And Johnny, obviously, it was a big win for yourselves on New Year's Deal, uh, New Year's Day. Even a sold Sam Wilkes goal gives you a win at Charlton, who were obviously in form of at least improved since their the shaky start. How was the performance? Uh, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, you could argue we got away with it a little bit. I think um, maybe a draw would have been a fair result. But yeah, Char- Charlton played well. Um, I think better than a lot of us expected. And we had, and we had to sort of dig in a bit, to, especially towards the end, to hold on, to hold on for the win. It's a little bit frustrating that once we once we went ahead, that we couldn't build on it. But you know, we we do get that with Wickham a lot. It'll, we'll we'll go ahead, and we do tend to sit back, and sometimes that comes back to bite us. If we, maybe we felt more comfortable doing that against a team like Charlton, whereas if it happens at the weekend, I think you probably see us play set up a different way. I, I read online, obviously you read the match reports, and I've seen the highlights. It got described as a battling performance. How accurate is that? Yeah, I mean, it usually is with Wickham, let's face it. Um, <laughs> we, we, it's not that we can't get the ball down and play, but we do tend to rely heavily on on those battling qualities that, um, you know, depending on your viewpoint, some people love it, some people loathe it. But um, we, we, we do sort of, I think we kind of try and outwork teams sometimes, just play this mm-hmm. high tempo, high energy pressing game, bit of physicality and basically see if their players are up for it, really. I think obviously you'd suffered defeat in the, the previous game away to Ipswich, who I don't know what Ipswich are this season. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. You've seen the, the good of them both times, but um, you had a late equaliser, I think, in the game before that for a 2 2 draw at home to AFC Wimbledon. So, how important was that win in Charlton? Because obviously, those results aren't perfect for a team that wants to push for in and around the automatic promotion spots, but it kind of gets you back on back on track. And it, Charlton are a good side. Yeah, we we've been a bit bit well, I say a bit. We've been pretty inconsistent, to be honest, over the last few weeks. And 
<clears throat> it's a bit frustrating that we had two games cancelled due to the other side having COVID outbreaks because that, that those games were Cambridge and uh, Bolton, which were two quite on paper quite winnable games. Um, because we do, we're now going into this quite tough run of fixtures. Got yourselves Oxford, the franchise, and I think another team. Quite a tough run of games. So it, it was a shame we couldn't have played those two quite winnable games. Because yeah, we are pretty patchy to be honest. The, the, the results have have been mixed, and we really got ourselves out of jail against Wimbledon. The Charlton game could have gone either way. It's we're papering over the cracks a little bit, if I'm being honest. And we we need to put a little run together if we're going to be serious about challenging for a playoff place I think how important are the next few games because obviously looking there you've got like you said you've got Oxford coming up MK obviously at home teams in and around you essentially um, but win all those games or at least come out with it unbeaten with a couple of wins and maybe a draw here or there puts you in really good stead going into the, the second half of the season doesn't it yeah I think I think most Wickham fans would be delighted just to take even yeah a couple of wins from the next few games There's, there, there is a a little bit of a gap between us and the team just outside the playoffs. There is there is a slight cushion there. Yeah, if if if, if this next group of games, if this kind of next four or five games, we only take a few points from that, that's that's going to disappear and we'll be right, you know, right in the pressure again. So yeah, I think there is obviously you've got that gap. I think obviously at the top it's tight. You've got Rotherham on fifty, us on forty nine, yourselves and Wigan both on forty five, and then you've got Oxford and Plymouth on forty three. But then MK dropped to thirty nine, and Chef Wedding Pomp you're on on thirty seven. So a couple of wins is it's going to really open that gap, isn't it, and solidify the top six? I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, a couple of wins would. If nothing else, I think it would just really give the fans, the club, you know, a boost, a bit, you know, a bit of a confidence shot because we have been a little bit shaky, and it will feel like we're kind of back on track if we can, if we can take a bit of a scalp over these next few games. I have to be careful how I ask the next question because I want to ask it with the best of respect. So hopefully I've worded it correctly. But just a few seasons ago, obviously Wickham were not seen as the promotion candidates that they currently are, having just been promoted. Sort of a good run, got you up the league. You're you're pushing up towards the top. COVID and, and PPG happened, and we all know that situation. Then you're in the championship, start off a bit rocky, but then you you do quite well. You you almost get out of it. Goes down to the final game of the season. Obviously, you were relegated, but you came back to League One as one of the promotion hopefuls, and you are fourth off top. So you're, you're there and thereabouts, if not as expected. Much more of a promotion candidate than you've ever been before. Certainly in my lifetime, and maybe yours, you you can correct me on that, but. We've seen it in the past where a club can have a phenomenal one or two seasons and, and they can sort of shoot up the league. Then they get relegated, they come back down and they go back to being where they maybe were historically. So although you've been patchy recently, who or, or what is the big reason for Wickham's continuing improvement and making sure that when you've came down, you've not reverted to maybe where you have been historically beforehand, maybe mid-table or just outside the playoffs, you've come back as a team that is, you know, there or thereabouts for automatic promotion? Yeah, I think... The, the simple answer to that, and I think there are a few factors, but I think the main one is is, is Gareth Ainsworth. Um, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's been he's been great for us. And um, you know, to, when he took over, we were struggling at the bottom of League Two. Um, nearly went out of the football league altogether, and for him to take us to where we are now was extraordinary. And and it's, you know, a lot of it is the same. Players, a lot of this current squad played in League Two for us. <clears throat> I think on our first championship game, seven or eight of the players who featured had played for us in League Two. And yeah, I think he's um, he's not had a lot of money to work with and he's 
but what he does do very well is he is great at building team spirit. He's great at creating a certain environment within his camp that where the player, you know, he's very, he's very, very careful about the type of player he brings in. You've got to be the right character. You know, you've got to be, you know, an Ainsworth player. And he's built this squad of players who all work for each other, who all get on with each other, who will not give up, even if we're, you know, 2 nil down with five minutes to go, they'll keep fighting. And, and you know, look at some of our results where, you know, we've been losing games going into stoppage time and come out with a win, come out with a draw. That really helped us get over the line <clears throat> when we were promoted from League Two and, and it helped us kind of make a fight of it in the Championship. He's He's been absolutely key and to the point that I'm really terrified about what is going to happen to us when he inevitably does move on because he's been such a catalyst for this change in fortune. You know, that we've never played in the Championship until last season. That was our first time. I mean, in my lifetime, we, we spent most of... Well, we were a non-league club until 1994, sorry, 1993 even. Um, we spent a lot of our time in League Two, so... Even just being in League One is pretty good for us. So he's been brilliant. I think also the the change in ownership has been key. The American Kuig family came in. I was a bit cynical about them, to be honest, uh, but they've been really good. We we couldn't keep going under fan ownership. Well, we could, but we would have always been a League Two team. They've not chucked money in. The investment's been quite small, but it's been smart. And it's allowed Ainsworth to just keep doing what he was already doing but with a bit more you know we're not fishing down the back of the sofa for 10p's anymore like you know he used to have to buy nets for the training ground out of his own pocket it, it, they've just been sensible investment to make sure we can run a bit more professionally be a bit bit more of a championship club than instead of being like a non-league club playing in league one and, and I think that that's been that's been key it's, it's been sort of like a quiet revolution in a way there's not been huge upheaval it's just been very gradual, sensible changes. With Ainsworth, obviously I was half expecting the answer because you can see, no matter what you think about Gareth Ainsworth, the job he's done at Wickham's been phenomenal because, as you say, Wickham have historically not even been a League One club a lot of the time, um, truth be told. But with Ainsworth, obviously he's linked to Sunderland two, three years ago. We ended up getting Parkinson. Um, he's been linked to, I think, QBR. I think he's been linked to Blackburn. He's had a few links elsewhere outside of Wickham, and yet he's remained where he is. There's probably very few managers that are in no danger of being sacked whatsoever um, across all four top divisions. He's probably there. He's probably up in the top five. He's got no danger of being sacked whatsoever. He'd have to go on a horrendous run for him to be sort of taken out of Wickham, I think. But are you surprised that no club has taken the, the plunge with him and no club's just gone, you know what, let, let's give it a go, like a, a championship team maybe? Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Um, the, I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, there was there's rumours that he's 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 always said it would have to take something really special for him to leave Wickham. Not because we're some kind of magical club, but I think because he's he's happy in he doesn't live in Wickham, but he's happy in the area where he's living. His kids are settled in their schools. He's he's happy having a a job. He's he's happy in and and has job security. Um, I think he knows. You know, he could go to somewhere like QPR and. He might only be there six months. So he said it, it, it's not that he wouldn't leave Wickham, but it would have to take something really special. We've, we've, not, we've not stood in his way. We've allowed him to put his hat in the ring for jobs like, like Sunderland. There's been rumours he's even been, that he even was offered a job. And I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Millwall. I feel he was quite close to it. It was like Blackburn, Millwall, someone like that. I kind of feel, I mean, obviously you'll know better than me, but I, I kind of have the feeling he was really close to one of them and it just never materialised. 
Yeah, I think I think one of them he was actually offered the job but chose to turn it down himself. I think there was one he's he kind of hinted that there might have been a job where he was told he could have it but he'd have to like smarten his appearance up. <laughs> so turned it down. Um, yeah, I think I think he will go eventually, but I don't think he would go. You know, sometimes when you know when the when the position came up at Ipswich, there was. Um, talk that he might go to Ipswich. I don't think he'd go to, like, he wouldn't take a sideways move even to a bigger club with more money. I don't think he's about the money. I think it would have to be top two-thirds championship side for him to even really be interested at this point. QPR would be a big one because he's got emotional ties there in Blackburn because he's a Blackburn fan. But other than that, I think if your average kind of upper league one, lower championship side came in for him, I I don't think he'd even really be that keen, especially because believes he can get Wickham back in the championship anyway. You see a lot of managers as well that go up. I mean, the list is quite endless. Young managers that you think, yeah, well, that's a good move. It's going to do well. I think Ryan Lowe's the most recent one. And obviously, we're not going to judge him just yet, but there's been managers that have gone up. I think the one that sticks off the top of my head is uh, Gary Rowett. Obviously, he was really, really highly rated. Yeah, he's done all right at Millwall, but he's not exactly like tearing up the carpet, is he? And there's been a few managers that go up and get six months and and, and then they've come straight back to League One with a, a job that maybe the isn't as good as the, the one that they left. But you mentioned there about him smartening up his appearance, whichever club that may be. I've always wondered, though, Gareth Ainsworth, if you cut his head, does he lose his power, kind of similar to Samson? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you take off his snakeskin boots, maybe, yeah. He's got will. some luck. I mean, how do fans view that? Is that kind of thing you just love? Because, I mean, I remember at the Stadium Light earlier this season, I think he had about four buttons down, and obviously from an opposition perspective, and we've got a little bit of history for certain reasons. You have a bit of a laugh at it, but does that kind of give you, I don't know if the word is siege mentality is correct, but maybe it is, like us against the world sort of thing, because you're aware people don't like Wickham or the way that they play or the way it ends with dresses and it all kind of comes into one. Does that give you more of a siege mentality? I think it does. And, and by the way, I absolutely agree. Four buttons is way Far too much. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, and it, you know, he talks about being able to be who you want to be at Wickham. Um, you know, he says, I won't change. I won't expect other people to change. And we've got some real characters like, you know, David Stockdale and who is, I mean, the man's a lunatic um, and, and, and Bayer and people like that. Um, and I think that, that all, yeah, I think I agree. Like, having that culture within the squad has helped build this kind of, I, I don't want to go with the Wimbledon similes too much, but it, like that kind of like crazy gang spirit, like come to Wickham and be a bit weird. That's all right. So yeah. do the job on the pitch. And I think it does. It has, it has helped that team spirit. That's been huge for us over the last few years. It does feel like that with Wickham. I mean, from a, a fan on the outside looking in, when we play Wickham, I always think you'll time waste. It'll be physical. It'll be energetic. That's the way it's always going to be. And although it's the crazy gamble more luck, there's a, a hard, tough tackling side that would use psycho, like psychological things like the ghetto blaster in the, in the dressing room and things like that. There is certain things that you come to expect when you play against Wickham, which you know for a fact is going to be a challenge straight away. And obviously we've not won at Adams Park as yet. And, and that maybe plays into it a little bit with our previous sides. Yeah, possibly. Um, especially because it's been a bit of a turnaround from... A few years ago, where teams knew they could come to Adams Park and basically get three points, rightly or wrongly, and I think mostly rightly, we've got this reputation. Um, and like I said, it's not that we can't get the ball down and play, but first and foremost, we'll see if the opposition players are up for a bit of a scrap, and if they're not, then we will bully them. And I know it's not always 
great to watch. But I mean, you know, I've I've seen Wickham in Leagues One and League Two play some lovely football, and then you go and play Stevenage or Northampton, and you get kicked off the bark and lose. And I think we kind of when we nearly went out the football league. We were playing some really nice stuff, but we had a team full of kind of five foot sevens and stuff, and we couldn't cope. And I think that was a, that the following season we really saw Ainsworth change it around and and bring in kind of bigger, stronger players and, and develop that ruthless streak. And it's worked for us. I know it's not not always great to watch, but it has it has worked. And you turn up to win games, don't you? And yeah, as long as you sort of stay within the rules, I think you know it is okay. But if opposition players Aren't, aren't ready for it, then 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 you we will catch them out. And if they and if they know what they're in for, yeah, maybe we've got a slight psychological advantage before a ball's been kicked. There'd be a lot of Sunderland fans sort of listening to this and thinking, you know, you, you should be calling certain things out, Graham and stuff like that, the what more tackle and stuff like that. But you know, I'm trying to think from a, a Wigan perspective, as you said, three points all that really matters when it's insular, isn't it? When it's your club. If a certain style of football works for you, why would you change it just for the the benefit of the outside of the football club. It doesn't really matter, does it? As long as their fans are happy and you're getting three points. Yeah, and and, and look, you know, I, I do appreciate it. And if it was the other way around, it would have been what more cutting Vini and off. We'd be furious about it as well. And I'm not going to sort of not be biased about it. As you say, you kind of, you forgive your own team for doing it a bit. There have been times where we've overstepped the mark, definitely. And it's not like Wickham fans have never said that was too much or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Generally speaking, you know, we knew we had to toughen up at this at this level of football. Maybe in the championship and, and above, it needs to be more kind of football, basically. But leagues one and two, you know, it's it's most games are at least fifty percent about how much fight you've got, and it's really tough to get out of this division if you haven't got that side to your game, as as we found. In terms of um, Wickham style of play, I think obviously we've played each other once since you were promoted and you've came back down, and we were in good form. But Ainsworth has a specific way of playing, which we've discussed at length. He likes a big man, tons of energy around it, physical, loads of energy and ability to get in people's faces, basically. So of half a decade ago, the, the front line probably would have been Akin Fenwer with our very own sort of Luke 9 sniffing him behind him in a number 10 role. Now you've got Sam Wokes, who, with all due respect to Akin Fenwer, has played at a far higher level. And you've got the speed, trickery and, and energy of McCleary and sort of Hamlin behind and, and around him. Has Ainsworth and Wickham's style evolved since we sort of last played you a couple of years ago, or do you simply just possess a better level of player now? Um, well, I think both both those are true, really. Um, I mean, we we wouldn't have had the money to bring in the likes of McCleary and Boats or you know, or Hanlon. You know, we paid a fee for Hanlon. Can't remember when we last paid a fee for a player. I mean, when when we when we started off under Ainsworth, when, even when we signed Akin Fenwell, who isn't on big wages at Wickham. Um, I mean that was that was crawling under the coke machines trying to find two P's and stuff and and we just the money wasn't there to have a big squad so we just kind of it was very basic very blunt instrument batter teams down we've become a bit more there's a bit more finesse a bit more nuance to our play now and and yeah basically as you said we've we've just been able to bring in better players not only that as well but we just got we've got a slightly we've got a bigger squad it's still quite a small squad compared to a lot at this level but I mean bearing in mind when you look at our squad now like a third of that is development squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was only a couple of, two, two or three years ago that we had a squad of about 20 and that was it. We couldn't afford to, to bring in anyone else. It, it has evolved. I think, you know, we, it, it really was, it really was just hoofball sort of seven years ago. 
whereas now you know it's, it's a bit more expand there's more kind of we still go long but we go long with more accuracy and with a bit more kind of, of a clear thought process behind it where you can kind of see what we're doing you, we, we invite teams on we let them basically just cross the halfway line and then put the press on you can see when we haven't got possession what our forward players are doing their moot they're, they're looking for space and stuff to run into so I'm kind of more aware actually of what Ainsworth is actually trying to achieve what his actual tactics are when whereas yeah seven years ago it was like right you see him kick it up to him and that was literally it is it more of a, well one of the challenges that maybe Wigan will have in terms of evolving to be maybe a championship club and, and get up in this season or the coming seasons that it's probably a bit easier to build a, a team ethos and a team spirit and a process of how you play when you've got 20 players or 21 players in your squad. And then naturally, you do get a bigger squad like you have this season than you have done previously. And it's harder to maybe garner that because you'll have one or two players that are really unhappy about not being in the matchday squad for a certain amount of days or you have an injury and the player's down with that. Is that kind of one of the challenges Ainsworth is going to come up against as Wickham evolve, having that bigger squad and trying to garner a a team spirit or do you think you'll manage to achieve it even with a slightly bigger squad? Yeah, I think it is going to be something he's going to have to maybe contend with now. And he, and he was talking about it a few weeks back, few, few weeks back and he said, I still want to keep quite a small squad. And we our, our kind of our senior squad, if you like, is still kind of around the kind of 23 mark. So it's relatively small. Um, but yeah, and we've bought in this development squad who are given first team numbers. They train with the first team, but they, these, these guys know they're coming in uh, they're like under 21 players basically and they, they know they're there to kind of gradually hopefully break into the first team um but so yeah i think i think the tricky thing is he's got to keep those development squads players happy and motivated and i think actually a lot of them do know they will get the odd bit of first team action when because when if we have injury suspensions in the first team which such as we do at the moment a few players missing with illness and injury they, they're they going to be the guys we turn to. So the likes of Chris Farino, who, you know, this time last year was at university um, and he's now a professional footballer because, he, you know, he, he's been brought in to cover gaps in the gaps at the back. I think he will be able to keep them happy because basically if, you, if you're in the squad at Wickham, you know you're probably going to get a chance at some point. We mentioned Luca Nine before and obviously he had a really successful time at Wickham, hence why he, he ended up at Sunderland, which is at the time I think we'd just been promoted. Oh sorry, relegated, you'd just been promoted. He's obviously not available this Saturday due to a, a long-term injury, and you've you've come up against him a few times, um, including this season. But I wanted to pick your brains on him. I think this season when he, he was playing before his injury, he was using a almost exclusively in sort of number six slash number four sort of role after playing the bulk of his time at Sunderland at right back and then last season at centre-back. Before his injury, though, if I'm completely honest, I would say a bulk of the fans, or a majority if I can say that, um, don't think he feels or fits the role of, of midfield at all. And if I'm honest, we have probably looked a little bit better with him outside of out of the team. However, when he's at right back or, or left back, he, he always seems to do a good job, but... How surprised are Wickham fans that, you know, Luke O'Neill's evolution has not been developed into a an all-action number 10 or a, or a number 8 midfielder and, and instead actually looks more of a natural right-back? Could you ever have imagined him as a, a, mid, a defender during his time at Wickham? No, not really. I mean, he did he did kind of fill in in different roles in Wickham, like, you know, if we needed a left winger, 
he'd kind of be the natural choice because he was quite a well-rounded player. But yeah, we're quite surprised to see that he was regularly playing at right back. Or I think he might be. Was he playing at right wing back quite a while, for quite a while? Right wing back under Parkinson, and then sort of when yeah. I would I would say he played more games at centre back last year, but that was probably more down to necessity. And, and towards the end of it, we probably could see he wasn't at centre half. But he actually did quite well for a little while at centre half as well. Yeah, we were quite surprised, but partly because he's, he's quite slight. He's not you know the biggest of lads and. Maybe you get away with that. It's got like in a wing back role, but in a kind of a more flat defensive position, you'd think he would just get overrun. But he works hard at whatever he does, and he's quite fearless in the way he plays. So I can see why he, you know, he he scored quite a few goals for us playing kind of a bit further up. But he could he would always get back and do the defensive side. So we knew he had that in his locker. Um, but yeah, given how many goals he scored for us, box to box. We were quite surprised then to see him playing in a, you know right at the back with, with Sunderland. But the first time we played you, no, not the first time. The the the, the last time we played you at Adams Park, which was back in October of uh, or November of 2019, when all was right with the world. He looked, <laughs> I remember saying to my mate, he looked like a, you know like a lost kid in Tesco's looking for his mum. He, he really looked like he didn't know what was going on. He didn't look happy. He looked really out of it. Um, and then fast forward when went up to the stadium of light that same season and and he ran right. He had a really good game. 4-1, 4-0? 4-0. I don't think we even got one that day. Aren't you right? Yeah, and he and he ran right. And and that was when I kind of thought, oh, okay, like, yeah, I think Sunderland are onto something with this. I just wondered if he would because he's he's got quite he's got that in- attacking intent. I wondered if he kind of would like get out of position quite a lot and get a bit carried away. But um yeah, I'm, I, I'm disappointed he's not developed more at Sunderland. Really good player on his hands when he signed him. And he must be coming up to his kind of getting on to his sort of mid to late 20s now where you would expect to see some real, you know, he's kind of approaching probably the apex of his abilities. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't kicked on more for you because I really thought it was going to be a case of you'd have him for a few years and then you'd be selling him on, selling him on to a... You know, one of the you know top half championship side, really? and that's not that's not happened for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a case of because he's obviously played in a few different positions and he played a few different positions for us, and it might be a case of he suffered from being so versatile. He suffered from not nailing down one position. Don't please don't take the wrong way. I'm a little bit like I said, I'm a little bit surprised he's still at Sunderland. In in terms of, I thought that's someone you might have signed thinking, you know, this is someone we're going to be moving on again. It's sort of the remit, isn't it? It's sort of the remit of, of, of buy, buy cheap, do a job, and then and then go up. Um, that, that's kind of the that's kind of the remit. I think even still at, at most clubs, unless you're in the top four. So no, I, I don't think anyone would take offence at that. Not at all. He's still, I think, young enough to develop further, and he's got a great. You know, he was he always had a great attitude. He always had a great work ethic. So if he can improve, I'm sure he will, because he he seemed to develop at like rocket speed at Wickham. And then he, he clearly has got even better at Sunderland, but not he's not quite hit the heights that I think he, he can still hit. And maybe it'll just be a case of he'll do it, you know, in a year's time or something. I'm, Fingers I do, crossed. Yeah, I do, I do believe in him. And he, I think he's a great player. I don't know if it, it might have just been a bit, perhaps it was more obvious because he was a bit, he's a big fish in a very small pond at Wickham. And this was, you know, when we, we had a really tiny squad and he was by far and away one of our best players. Whereas I guess at Sunderland, it's kind of like, it's probably harder to stand out no matter how well you play. 
frankly, it's, I guess you can kind of get a bit lost in the place, you know. Another name that links the clubs, um, unfortunately for me, because I'll openly admit, I think he's my least favourite Sunderland player of the past few seasons, is, is Josh Gowan, or Scowen. Um Seems well-loved at Wickham, obviously started there. How's his second coming been? Yeah, it's been good. And, and he unfortunately he missed a few games of injury recently, but he, he came back into the side uh, against Charlton, so hopefully he'll be available for Sunderland. Um, I mean, again, he's, he's quite a Luke 9 style player, maybe not as technical, uh, not as attacking. But when you again, when you signed him, I thought that's a great signing for Sunderland because the last time we spoke, yeah, I think we were talking about that. Sunderland mm-hmm. always look great in League One footballing-wise, but just maybe missed that grit to sort of get him over the line against teams like Wickham. And so when you signed Scone, it's like, yeah, that's what they need. And I don't know why it didn't didn't work out. Um, he's not, you know, blessed with loads of technical ability, but you know, he's like he throw a tennis ball for a terrier. Like he'll just get that ball um, and he'll run through anyone who gets in his way can obviously cause problems in that sense. But I think he's a, he's a great he's a great player to have in midfield if you've got the other the right players around him to kind of cover for what he lacks. Um, so, yeah, there's another one where I'm surprised he didn't have... He didn't find more success at Sunderland, to be honest. You've got better midfielders now that can take the ball from the, the ball winner or the, or the water carrier and, and do something. Maybe that's something he's missed. Only he will probably be able to admit that. But um, obviously, our game earlier in the season, we, we were fine. We won 3-1. We had a rocky spell a few months back with a few defeats. Obviously, with Kim Roran back, we've scored eight goals now our last two games. You've been in and around with us since we've been in this league over a couple of seasons You've touched on before why you felt something maybe didn't go up for what it's worth. I kind of agree with you. I think we did miss that bit of grit and probably that little bit of quality. From the outside looking in, does Sunderland's season seem a little bit different to you? Do you think Sunderland might actually do it this season from what you've seen? Yeah, I do, because because you're still up there now. Like You've you've had a rocky spell, but you've stayed up there. And I think that's key. And we, we, I think we were saying last time, it's it's such an inconsistent league here. Before, I don't know why. League One has always been really inconsistent. It's like no one wants to win it. Um, and you've seen, we've seen teams like, I know they're kind of still there or thereabouts, but Plymouth, who were top of the league for quite a while and were getting these great results, but they couldn't sustain it. Um, and, and I think that, that, that yourselves, Rotherham and Wigan, have consistently stayed in those kind of top three positions. The fact you're still there around the halfway point of the season, I think, is, is a really good sign. Um, okay. And that, you know, that same, the season Wickham went up, you know, we we never dropped out the playoff places until the very last week of the season when we didn't play. If you've got that consistency, you, you'll probably be all right come the end of the season. Um, and we've seen the other teams, you know, we've seen um, Plymouth, uh, Wickham as well, frankly, have kind of really bobbed about that kind of like those top, those top places. But you, yourselves and a couple of other teams have stayed quite consistent. And I think that's a really good sign. Yeah, Whereas, I think it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. Previous seasons, I, I think maybe you were a bit more kind of yo-yoing around. No, you know, it's still in the top half, but, but you know, there, there wasn't that consistency. And, and but, but now you've got those, that margin for error and actually built up so many points. That even if you do have a few bad games, you're still probably going to stay in the top, top couple of places. 
you think if you look at the past two seasons, obviously Parkinson at one point had us in 13th and went on a great run and got us in the playoff places. But then you kind of always you're always paddling to get further up when you've had those bad run of results. And, and last season, obviously, we had a few bad results in the parks and then Johnson came in and Johnson went on a good run. They went on a bad run and you're always batting against the tide, aren't you? I think a little bit, but I think a big result, obviously, is going to be Saturday in the context of both football clubs because you're fourth, we're second. Obviously, there's, there's games in hand around sort of all the teams in the league because of COVID, but a draw wouldn't be a horrendous result for either side. A win would be massive for both sides, but what are your predictions as a final question? Uh, to, to be honest, I, I think you will win. Um, I think we're we got a few key players missing in midfield and and at centre back as well. Chiefly, we're we, you know we're really missing Anthony Stewart and Ryan Tafazzoli. Maybe one of them will be back, but they've been out both been out for a few weeks now. Um, and yeah, I think we've just. Like I said at the start, I think we kind of flattered to deceive against Charlton a little bit. So I think I think Sunderland will win, to be honest. It's an early start as well, though, isn't it? It's me to say, but yeah, I kind of see it being a you know like a two two one win to Sunderland, where maybe we'd play well, it will play well enough to get a draw, but just but just won't basically. You know what? In a in a way, I don't really like playing. Wickham away from home because of previous exploits. Obviously, one one. I think we scored with what more last minute. We all remember that game for numerous reasons. And then obviously the, the one nil, which came afterwards, was became the whole our house thing, didn't it? And obviously we haven't played each other at Adams Park since. But yeah, I kind of maybe your underconfidence because of the injuries and that your recent form is probably the flip side for me. Eight goals in our last two games, absolutely demolished Chef Red, who I think are a really good side. Um and to go back to what you were saying before, I think the difference between us this season and maybe previous seasons is we can go to places like Wigan and get a result. I'm not going to cry if we get a draw. I'll be completely honest with you, but I, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to say 2-1 as well, Johnny, mate. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, th- I think we'd maybe be slightly happier with a draw than yourselves, maybe. I mean, I think we can be delighted with a draw, to be honest, but... Keeping yeah. the picture, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think I think your, your current form is looking pretty ominous for Wickham. Fingers crossed. Um, for me, not for you, obviously, Johnny. But but Johnny, thanks so much for coming back on and, and giving up your time as always, mate. It's always appreciated. I hope you have a horrendous sort of early afternoon on Saturday, but good rest of the new year apart from that. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks very much. You're welcome.